You're listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. We're happy to be joined today by Josh Page, president of JP Electric and Son. Josh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on this podcast. Now, Josh, you recently celebrated the grand opening of your new location on South Street in Fitchburg. Can you tell us a little bit about what made you want to first go into business for yourself several years ago? Well, sure. So, uh, so I've I've been in quite a few different places, all the way from Templeton to Gardner to um, uh, now. This is would be the third location in Fitchburg. We've all rented every single one of them, and this is uh, you know our final resting place. I, I like to call it that. You know, we finally were able to purchase our own building instead of renting. And um, <clears throat> I started in business uh, back in 2011. Um, and even before that, I owned a, 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 another business, Infrared High Tech Solutions, where I was doing infrared thermal imaging, and I was scanning um, everything from flat roofs to electrical systems to water intrusion. And then uh, that business kind of, you know, ran out of time and money and all that stuff. So um, I started this business, and I, I think I've always um, had it in me to uh, be a leader. Uh, even as a third-year apprentice, I was a lead man on a huge project working for a big electrical contractor that had about probably 30 guys on there. It was a foreman than me. You know, I was a third-year apprentice. I wasn't licensed at all, but I've always just had that knack to um, to lead. You know, no matter no matter where I am, no matter what situation I'm in, I I always seem to take control. And um, so I think business business was for me. And, um, you know, I love the electrical trade, but, but honestly, mm-hmm. I could probably, you know, open an ice cream stand and, uh, and run a business that way too. I, I just enjoy business and I enjoy, um, solving problems for people, right? I like being the most relevant and, and solving their problems. And one example of just how excellent you are when it comes to business is the fact that you've not only started your own business, but you've actually acquired two well-established electrical companies in recent years. Uh, but you decided to keep their names as is. Uh, what made you decide to go that route instead of just as absorbing them under JP Electrical? Yeah. So when I started in 2011, I actually started as Joshua Page Electrician. Um, not a lot of people know this, but my master electrician's license was actually tied up in another company that I was um, involved with. <clears throat> and then once we started to grow, uh, you need you need your master's license to hire other electricians. So I took it back and that's when I started JP Electric and Sun Inc. Um, and that was when I had my, I only had a two-year-old uh, son at that point. So a few years later, I tell the story, but it, it, it could be false. It might not be. Uh, we had another son. Uh, his name was Brody. And uh, I was too um, stubborn to change the name to JP Electric and Sons and, and make it plural. So uh, I just bought another company. <laughs> so <laughs> could, it could or, or might, might or might not be false. But um, yeah, so at that time, um, I actually wasn't really looking for another business, but um, I got a phone call from the supply house one day and said, hey, you know what? Rural Electric is up for sale. You should probably go talk to them. And I was like, ugh, like I don't know anything about buying a business. But I did. I contacted the owner. I said, hey, I'm interested in purchasing the business. I'd like to sit down and talk. And he immediately shut me down and said, nope, uh, I'm dealing with someone else. Somebody else is going to purchase it. Okay, no problem. I hung the phone up and um, it was on a Friday. And over the weekend, something in my gut just said, you know what? I got to contact him again. I got to go back to him. I got to I have to I have to just make it known. So on Monday, I contacted him again, and I said, you know what, I know you said no, but I, you know, I would just really like a chance to talk to you. And he said, to be honest, 
that other contractor backed out over the weekend. I'd like, I, I would like to sit down with you. So we sat down at Dunkin' Donuts on River Street in Fitchburg, had about a two hour long conversation. And uh, two weeks later, I met with him and his wife. And really the rest was history after that. We started doing paperwork and we purchased it September of 2015. So then I became the new owner of, of Rule Electric, the fourth owner. Uh, Roland Rule started in 1954, so now I'm the fourth owner. <clears throat> and there's so much history behind Rule Electric in Fitchburg that I couldn't change the name. People knew Rule, they knew the vans, they knew the colors, they, they it's just so much history. And I said, you know what, why don't we just keep it as Rule Electric and we'll, we'll keep it as a DBA. So that was 2015. We moved from Gardner, JP Electric moved from Gardner to Fitchburg, and we moved into the Rural Electric building, and, and we were perfectly happy. And, you know, all the guys stayed on, and our clients stayed on, and we just kept growing and growing, and we were doing perfectly fine. And then one day out of the blue, um, a company out of Concord, Massachusetts called me and said, hey, I know you purchased an electrical company. I would like you to purchase mine. And I was like, no, I'm all set. Like I got way more than enough stuff going on right now. I, I can't possibly take on another business. Mm -hmm. uh, I gave that about two weeks and I said, you know what? I've always wanted to go east with this business. Maybe this is my opportunity. Like things things happen to me for a reason. Maybe I should, I should look into this. So same thing with that business. Um, we had a lot of communications. We met at Dunkin' Donuts and and talked with the business broker. We talked with the, with the owner. And we came to terms and about two, three months later, uh, I think it was about October 2017, uh, I purchased Patriot Electrical Contracting and Service out of Concord, Mass. And they were about 30, I don't know, somewhere around 34 years old, 35 years old. And they were a very well-established electrical company in Concord, Mass. And I was like, I can't take their name. Like I can't, no one knows me out here. So we just kept Patriot Electric made that a DBA as well. Um, so that that's the story behind those two companies. And, and you know, here we are uh, the end of October, beginning of November will be JP Electric's 10, 10 year old birthday. And uh, we've acquired the two other companies and, you know, we're, we're doing great. Our, our customers are awesome. Uh, just unbelievable clientele. And we have some of the best electricians in the state. So I just couldn't be happier. And you bring up the word opportunity a few times when you tell that story. As an entrepreneur, how important is it to always be kind of looking out there and being cognizant of potential opportunities? You you, you have to be. Um, I think too many of us have the negative mindset. We have the closed mindset that we can't do this. We can't do that. Um, you know, the fear of failure, the fear of money, uh, what people will think of me. And I really got rid of that can't word a long time ago and replaced can't with how, because um, I've learned that as soon as we say can't, our mind automatically shuts down because it's the easy thing to do. Um, it's very easy and our brains are actually uh, pretty lazy to believe it or not. So when you say can't, it's like, all right, sweet. I don't have to do any work today. But when you say how, you know, how can I afford this or how can I make this work? Um, your, your brain automatically starts thinking and says, you know what? that's fine. Let's do it. You know, let's, let's get going. Um, so that, that to me, I, I'm not, I'm open to opportunities. I'm not always looking for them, I would say, but if something comes up, you know, I, I usually get right on board. Um, so yeah, absolutely. You got to keep, you got to keep an open mind. You got to have a good mindset. Innovation is always something that business owners um, and entrepreneurs will talk about always thinking of new ways to, to connect with clients, to engage clients. And, um, 
at your ribbon cutting, you were talking to Roy Nascimento, president of the chamber, and myself, and you were talking about a couple of different initiatives that you're working on, and those really stuck out. Can you tell us a little bit about this book that you've prepared for first-time homeowners and, um, and, and realtors? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a lot of things going on. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it was March, April, the pandemic, 2020, um, when the governor Baker said he wanted all non-essentials to shut down for at least two weeks, right? Like that was that was in the beginning. We're an essential company as a electrical contractor, but I said to myself, you know, I don't want to get to the end of this thing. Back then, we didn't know how long it was going to last. I, I said, I don't want to get to the end of this thing and, you know, stick my chest out and say, well, I'm proud we never shut down, you know, and maybe we would cause other issues or something. So I said, you know what, guys, let's all shut down for two weeks. Let's take a break and um, we'll regroup after these two weeks and we'll come back. I never stopped working. I was, I was, you know, bidding jobs, still talking to customers, whatever else, but I had some extra time on my hand. And um, what I was noticing is every time I would go to customers' houses, I would always talk about knob and tube or BX or GFI outlets or the customer would buy the house and then find all these issues that their their uh, home inspection didn't find. And I found myself just saying the, th- the same things over and over and over. And I said, you know, why don't I write a book, like just a simple little book that I can give to these homeowners, either new homeowners or realtors or even existing homeowners, just to try to help them um, so I don't have to repeat myself every single time. And that was going to do a few things. I was going to build credibility and a relationship with a customer before they even became a customer. So I wrote it and then I shelved it and then I wrote some more and then shelved it and then I wrote some more. And then eventually um, I was like, you know, I think it's ready. I'm going to give it to a few realtors and, and friends and um, see what they say. So that was a bad thing to do because they immediately came back and said, Josh, that was awful. It sucked. Um, it's too boring. And uh, I would never read that. And I said, okay, thanks. There goes the balloon. Uh, completely deflated. And I'm going to shelf it again. And then about a month and a half ago, I said, you know what? I really don't care what people think. Um, I think it brings value. Uh, I think it's a very well-written book. I'm going to give it to the editor. So I had I paid for the editor. I got it edited. I got a ebook created and designed. So now it's ready to give out to the world, you know. And you know what I'm going to do is we're going to we're going to take the email address. And I'm going to send you a free copy. You know, there's no there's no charge to it, but it's 28 pages of of you know over the last 10 years, thousands of hours of me going and doing inspections and writing proposals and everything for homeowners and seeing what I've seen. It's just in the eyes of a master electrician, and I think that that customers will gain um, a lot out of it. I think there's there's definitely a lot for new homeowners as well as existing homeowners. That you know there's a lot to gain, but also you know potential of savings of thousands of dollars based on you know service call fees for trip GFI outlets or trip circuit breakers or whatever else it is that that we're finding when we get out there and the homeowners could easily fix themselves. So yeah, I'm very excited to uh, release that ebook um, out to the public. I think so many times when we when we do have to call someone for service, there's always kind of that level of skepticism. You know, are, are they being honest? Are they being upfront? And here you are presenting them with a book, at, you know, no commitment needed, just saying, hey, here's what we're going to find. Here's what we're going to work on. And it really does, I think, kind of help with that transparency that sometimes people want uh, with their tradespeople. Absolutely. I, I think um, trust is a major issue in the world right now, and not just in the trades, but everywhere. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've heard the saying, that's why you see um, more fences going up than front porches, 
right? There's more fences going up than front porches because people don't even trust their own neighbors. People don't trust their own family members. And here we are in the trades, whether you're a carpenter, an electrician, or a plumber, and you're expecting these people to trust you. And that's not mm -hmm. the case. Um, just because people will pay you does not mean they trust you. So our job in, in our company is to build that relationship, to build that trust and credibility before we even show up. And there's a few ways we do that. Um, we have dispatch texts. So when our electrician is dispatched to your house, you will get a picture of the electrician along with a bio of, with a little bit about him. So we're trying to build the relationship before we even show up. So that way, when, when you get a knock on your door and you're looking at your cell phone, you're like, uh, that guy doesn't look like the same guy that's on my phone. You're not going to let him in. You know, you, that's that's building the trust. Like, here's a picture of the electrician that should be showing up. If someone else shows up, you shouldn't answer that door. So we're, we're building that trust and relationship and that credibility before because uh, especially in the trades, you know, I, and I've been in it for over 10, over 10 years, but in business for 10 years. Um, so many times I hear, thank you for showing up. Thank you for cleaning up your mess. I can't believe you answered the phone. Wow, what a fast response. And it just gets to me like, wow, what, what are we doing out there as, as tradesmen and women? Like, what, what are we doing as an organization that we, we are like tearing ourselves apart? So it's always been a mission of mine to really change the way that people think of the trades. And that's mm -hmm. why our mission in this company is to provide our customers with the best electrical experience possible. And the reason why I chose the word experience is honestly because of Disney World. Um, they're providing their um, their ticket holders with an experience. And, you know, we're not Disney World by any means, but I want to provide our customers with something different. I want them to remember us. I want them to... After the appointment, they stand back and like, wow, I'm really happy I called that company. Like, they're really cool or they're innovative or they really clean up or just something other than, great, I'm glad you fixed my switch. See you later. You know, any one of us can do that, you know, and it it's it's the why we do what we do, um, not the what. And right now during the pandemic, every industry is facing shortages, whether it's with workers, whether it's with supplies. And I know the electrical industry is certainly not immune, especially when it comes to things like generators and equipment like that. But you're actually working on another way to engage your customers to kind of continue to foster that relationship and foster that trust uh, while you combat those shortages. Can you tell us about this new series of videos uh, that you're working on? Yeah, sure. So um, what I have found... Uh, especially with the material shortages in COVID, is that we will go out and do an estimate. We will get that estimate to them within one to two days. They accept the estimate. They give us a deposit just like normal. But then when we order the material, sometimes this material is taking two to three weeks or two to three months to show up. So we get phone calls daily saying, you know, is the material in yet? Can we schedule the job? Where are we at? And to me, that's a problem. Um, because we are working so hard to build trust and that build that relationship, but then we're we're making that customer second guess, right? Like, okay, they gave it. I gave this company five thousand dollars for a deposit, but like I haven't heard from them in a while. I, I don't know what's going on with my project. I, you know, what? 
before we don't have any news, right? We order the material and if it hasn't showed up, it's, I always fought with how do we, how do we tell the customer like, Hey, you know, we're, we're still two weeks out. We're still three weeks out. Like that just always became an issue because there's nothing, there's no update. But if someone pays a lot of money, they want an update. So I'm, I'm trying to think, okay, how can I solve this problem before it becomes a really big problem? And generators right now are like 35 plus weeks out. A generator job is a very expensive job. So these people are going to give deposits now, but we won't see them till June, July when the generators finally show up at no fault of our own. It's just when generators are being delivered. So what I'm doing is I'm creating an email sequence that's going to be set up like a movie and where you where the customer is going to be getting an email after they approve the estimate an email after we get the deposit an email when their materials uh, ordered an email when their material has been delivered staged and ready an email when um, their job is scheduled and it's not going to be just a written email because that's boring and nobody wants to pay attention to that so we're creating these little commercial video series that are gonna probably be two to three minutes long. And I want to engage with the customer, right? I wanna interact with them even if we don't have anything else to say. I'm gonna be doing videos on um, how to save on your service call fees based on GFI outlets or circuit breakers tripping. I want to, if, if, from, if from the time that I leave their doorstep, we don't do that project till three months later, I don't wanna be that to that to be the next interaction with that customer. I wanna be able to interact and engage with them the entire time. That way they look forward to their next email from our company. They look forward to finding out, oh my God, the material has been finally received. And they don't have to be put in a place where they have to call us. You know, so I just, I want to engage more with our customers. I want to engage more with our clients and I want them to feel safe and and have trust in us. We spend so much time and energy and cost building that trust and respect and credibility where not a lot of contractors are doing that. Um, we want to maintain that. So that's something really special that we're gonna be coming out with in the next month or so. And Josh, you mentioned um, changing the way that trades are viewed. I know you mentioned that in terms of the customer experience, but also you actually wanna change the way that they're viewed overall in society and with students and with kids and with the education system. Can you take us back a little bit to set this up to when you were younger? Um, you know, how important were your trades to you and how important were your trade teachers to you and to where you are today? <laughs> so um, I'll give you a quick story because it could go on for a little bit, but I'll give you a quick story. <clears throat> I didn't like um, school. I knew I wasn't destined for college. My mother passed away from a cancerous brain tumor at the, at the age of 37. I was 13. I went and lived with my father. Um, I came from a divorced family and I went and lived with my dad. But that was in eighth grade when my mom passed away. Um, and I already made the decision that I wanted to go to Monte Tech, a trade school. And the only reason at that time was because I, I heard that you only had to go to school two weeks out of the month, the other two weeks were in a trade. And I was like, yes, sign me up. Like, I, I, hate, I hate school. <laughs> so growing up, I always liked um, animatronics and I always liked the blood and gore in the movies and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to go to my tech. I'm going to go to cosmetology. I'm going to learn how to do the makeup for the movies. <clears throat> now, when I went to my tech and I went through exploratory and I found out exactly what cosmetology was about <laughs> i couldn't picture myself doing french tips 
French braids and manicures for the rest of my life. So I said, I've got to find another trade. Um, and I wasn't good in plumbing. Uh, and I had a lot of friends that went into electrical. So I said, you know, what? I'm going to go into the electrical trade. And it wasn't until my senior year that I really started to buckle down and pay attention and say, you know what? I'm graduating this year. Uh, I need to pay attention. Like, I, I was suspended three times during high school. I maintained a high C and D average. I was not good. And this is my only fallback. Like, I needed to figure things out. Um, so to me, the trades changed my life. Um, I could have gone a lot different way um, back back when I was a teenager, losing my mom, um, going and living with my dad. I ran away twice. I ended up living with my aunt uh, throughout my junior and senior year. I could have went a different way. And Monty Tech and being in a trade and doing something with my hands brought a lot of pride to me and a lot of respect and honor. And I loved what I do, what I did back then, and I still love what I do now. And um, I can't thank Monty Tech or my trade instructors enough because they really instilled, you know, what what I have today. And that's really, you know, love work on my hands. I love being the most relevant. I love solving problems for customers. Um, when we show up, we're we're usually the hero, which is nice, you know, because not everyone knows electrical. So when we get in there and we can fix something, it's a good feeling. And when you drive around the area towns and say, I worked on this building, I, I fixed this, I did that, it's, it's a pretty cool feeling to drive around. So to me, the trades is very, very important. And you're looking to educate a whole new generation on the importance of those trades. Can you tell us about your idea and concept of, of creating a children's book series to really get kids excited about trades? Absolutely. So about five years ago, there was a study in Massachusetts that there was somewhere around 32 to 33,000 licensed electricians in the state of Massachusetts. Um, and 25,000 of them were over the age of 55. So I'm going to repeat that. 33,000 licensed electricians. This was five years ago. 25,000 of them were over the age of 55. Right now, the average age of a plumber in Massachusetts is 57 years old. What does that tell you in the next five to 10 years? Right? How many people are going to be retired and how many people are going to replace them? We're dealing with a labor shortage before COVID ever even hit, before COVID was even thought of, before COVID anything. We were dealing with a major labor shortage because guess what? The trades aren't cool, right? They're dirty. We work with our hands. We have dirty fingernails. We wear weird clothes because we wear work boots. And everyone pushes college, right? I want to give the kids another opportunity to, to let them know that college is not the only option. Sure, college is a great option for some. Military is a great option for others. But a lot of people don't really know about the trades or what's available. So I said, how can I change this? Because you can scream from the highest mountaintop, come be an electrician, a plumber, a carpenter, whatever it is, but that's not the right way to grab them. And I do a lot of public speaking on career days and, and events with juniors and seniors and sophomores. And I've changed a lot of kids' lives by doing that. But I was starting to look around the room saying, I think I've missed my mark. I don't know if this is the right age. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to plant the seed 
in the mind of a child when they're just starting to learn about careers and jobs and get interested in it. So I figured anywhere between fourth to sixth grade would be a really good age to plant that seed and let them know that the trades are cool. So what I have done throughout COVID um, is I wrote a children's book. Um, it's going to be published next year, probably around May, June, by, by the time everything gets done because it got picked up by a literary agent. Uh, and it's going to be called, What Does Your Daddy Do? And it's based, without giving you the whole book, it's based around career week at school and all the kids are learning about careers and one of them learns about what his daddy does. And at the end of the book, the teacher is going to ask another student, what does your mommy do? So my goal is to create this series of, of, of trades where my mommy is a, is a plumber, my mommy's an electrician, my dad's a plumber, my dad's a carpenter, whatever it might be, and to really plant the seed in these young child's mind of all the cool things that an electrician does or a plumber does or a carpenter does. And I don't think a lot of people know that. I mean, we work at Great Wolf Lodge, working on the water parks. You know, we're installing lights at schools. We're installing the outlet for your Xbox. You know, it's all these different things that are really cool. And I want to emphasize them to the kids and let them know that what we do is cool. It matters. And, you know, when they grow up and they work with their hands, there's a sense of pride there that you can't get with, with anything else. And I'm really hoping that this book is going to inspire the next generation, even if it's on a small scale. Were you surprised that you were able to find a publisher for this right away, yeah, that there was such interest in a book like this? I kind of was, because I was, I was lost for a little bit. I, I thought I should self-publish. I was looking on Amazon. I was talking to some other people. And um, I just started Googling and really doing a lot of research and, and trying to find um, someone that was interested in it and it took them about two weeks and then they finally came back and said you know we don't say yes to everyone uh, because we don't want to waste our time but we really like your book and we want to publish it and we're going to start moving forward with it so it's a big process I mean this is brand new to me I've never done it before so you know I've, I've got to go through all the editing um, you know even you know picking what the back of the cover looks like, what what the words on the back cover say, the dedication page, it's like so involved that I didn't think, but I'm really excited for this thing to come out next year. Have you started now to work on your next book? Not quite yet. I wanna yeah. see how this first one's gonna go first. Um, mm -hmm. I do want the series, but I want to get enough traction from the readers first uh, before we start on that next one. So that that's my game plan. Have you had a chance to talk to some of your colleagues in electrical and some of the other trades to tell them about your plan to, to, to do this children's book series to get kids excited to do your line of work? So it's funny that you asked that. About a year and a half ago, I, I had a company meeting with all my electricians, my office staff, everything, and I gave them a piece of paper and I said, tell me the first five things that you think are the coolest about your trade. And then I actually created a video and a Google form and I went on my Facebook page and I asked all my friends on there, anyone and everyone that could that could do it. And I got responses uh, all the way down in Tennessee, Florida, California, a bunch of Massachusetts. And I just, you know, it was it was a question, what do you do for work? It was everything from a horse farrier to a cosmetologist to a steel worker to a plumber to a bunch of electricians, a carpenter, 
Uh, one guy was a, um, a tow truck driver. And I just said, you know, what do you do? What do you like best about your, your occupation, your trade? What do you like least? Um, if you were uh, speaking to a fourth to sixth grader, what would you tell them? So I compiled that whole list. And that's how I'm going to create this series of books based on all of that feedback. Um, because I don't know what's so cool about being a cosmetologist, but the people that are in that trade do. Um, so I took a lot of the cool things about being an electrician and I put it into the book. You know, the different tools we use or the ladders or the different job sites we get to go to. So um, there was a lot of a lot of uh, pre-thought on this and a lot of homework before anything even got written. I think what's really remarkable about this is when you talk about the fact that you've already reached out to so many different industries is you, you've done research not only for this book, but really for the entire series. And you're laying a solid groundwork so you can keep churning out book after book. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> I just <laughs> said, you know, I gotta, uh, I can't be the only one that thinks things are cool. Like I've got to find out what is everyone else like or dislike. Um, and it was it was neat. A lot of guys, a, a lot of not guys, females, too. Um, they said, you know, they, they like how in the trades we're not always stuck at one location. We're not stuck in a cubicle um, mm -hmm. or they liked. Um, I had one that was um, a cosmetologist. She loved um, uh, making people feel beautiful. Right. Making them change their day because of the way that she she colored their hair or the way that they cut it that day. Um, so I thought that was really cool um, because any of these licensed trades are, are, are suffering. Right. We are going to be even more um, because a lot of people, you know, to be an electrician, it takes you about four years. Same thing with a plumber. Um, and at 18 years old, four years is an eternity. Right. But when you come out of high school, even if you didn't do a trade and you went four years to become an electrician or four years to be a, a plumber, or say you went four years to go to college. At the end of college, I'll, I don't know the percentage, but there's a, a vast majority of people that finish college that don't even know what they want to do. They can't find a mm -hmm. job and they end up working at the same job that they could have gotten before college even started. But at the end of four years as a plumber or electrician, you're licensed. You can do what you want. You know, you're a free agent. You can make a lot of money. You can work for a company. You can work on your own. You can do you can do a lot of different things. Um, so that that's why it, it was just important to me to to highlight the trades, get kids involved, and and make the make the trades cool again, and let them know that we're just not all a bunch of dirty boot wearing pants down to our you know butt kind of people. Like I mean, we're, we're we're, we're highly respected, and, and I think a lot more people have seen that uh, through COVID. I mean, who do we rely on the most through COVID here? It was a lot of the trades, a lot of carpenters, electricians, plumbers, a lot of the cosmetologists. There was a lot of a lot of people out here. Daycare is another trade. Um, it's not you know talked about, but it's licensed. It's not talked about as much as as the other ones, but uh, I just. I think writing the book is the right thing to do to plant the seed in the young mind. I think career days are great. I think it's just a little too late for my liking at 10, 11, 12. I think it really needs to be brought in around the fourth to sixth grade around that age. Once your book is out and ready, you'll have to start going out and engaging with these kids. And have you given any thought to, to that side of things? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely want to do a book signing at, at, um, at Barnes & Noble in Lemonster. Um, I want to get it, uh, be able to read 
um, to these elementary schools. My wife owns a daycare in Templeton, so you know I want to be able to read there. And I think the ultimate goal for me, uh, selfishly, is to be able to be featured in Scholastic and have that Scholastic book order be delivered to my wife's daycare and be like, there I am. You know, so that selfishly, that's what I would love. Like, if my <laughs> wife was be able be able to order. Uh, books from Scholastic and her husband's right there um, promoting trades for the kids. Like, I think it would just be full circle. I think it'd be so cool. Josh, I know we could continue talking out because you just have such a fascinating background. And we mentioned some of your hats, but we didn't get into the fact that you do life coaching and other stuff. Um, but s- some parting words for folks that are out there that have things that they want to pursue. Uh, maybe they're outside of kind of the realm of what folks expect out of them. What would you say to those individuals right now? I would say. Um, never give up, right? Don't listen to the voices in our head. I think the right mindset is key to anything we want in life. And I think a lot of us listen to the voices in our head a little too much. And if you think you don't have voices in your head, you're lying to yourself. Because as we all fall asleep at night, the voices in our head are the ones that are keeping you up, or the things that you're thinking about, or I should have done this, or I could have done that. Um, you know, I, I think a little bit backwards where I think of my my last days on this earth and what I want people to say about me and where I want to be. Um, and that's where I'm working towards. I think a lot of people go through life living day to day and they're happy where they're at. And I do it the opposite. I think of my last day on this earth and um, the person that I'll be holding that they will be holding my hand as I take the last breath on this earth. What do I want to be reflecting on um, while I'm laying there? And I don't want regrets. I don't want to be thinking, man, I should have done that. I should have done this. And one of the major things that I've learned over the last five years, especially is I would never want to be on that bed with my last breath saying, man, I wish I would have worked more Uh, because family is most important. So do what you can to do what you love and have passion, um, but put your family first because work can always be there. Um, Money will always be there. If you chase money, you'll chase it for the rest of your life. You should chase freedom, not money. And for those who are joining us right now, we've been chatting with Josh Page. President of JP Electric and Son, also Rule Electric, Patriot Electrical Contracting and Service, life coach, soon to be children's author. Are there any other titles I need to add right there? (laughs) (laughs) I think think that's probably it for right now. Josh, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes on Podbean, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.